This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what's happening in North Carolina politics for the week of Monday, January 3rd. For the News and Observer, I'm Lucille Sherman, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. Today, we're talking about maps with my colleague, Will Doran. Will Doran, thanks so much for joining me today um, on the podcast to talk about this really not complicated at all (laughs) topic. Um, I'm wondering if you can tell us there's something big happening in redistricting world in North Carolina this week. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about what that is? Yes, uh, this is, we're going to have a trial that could basically have a huge impact on North Carolina's elections for the next decade. Uh, in uh, Earlier this fall, I forget if it was late October or early November at this point, uh, <laughs> but a couple months ago the legislature uh, passed new maps that uh, are going to last through the 2030 elections. Uh, from 2022 until 2030, then we'll have a new census, then we'll go through all of this again in 2031. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, some Democratic groups have sued to overturn those maps as unconstitutional. Uh, the maps themselves were drawn by the Republican-led state legislature, um, and every outside analysis we've seen has shown that they would give Republicans a large advantage uh, in elections, assuming that people vote roughly the same as they have in the past, uh, which is the same kind of analysis that's done on all of these maps. Um, uh, for instance, in the The congressional races, we have 14 seats in Congress now, and the maps would uh, lead to at least a 10-4 Republican majority in Congress, if not an 11-3 majority. Um, It's maybe possible that in a very, very strong Democratic year, they could go to a 9-5 Republican majority, but the the most likely outcome in basically any scenario is the the 10-4 split. And that's based on our presidential and other uh, statewide elections here where Republicans in the recent years have tend to win by, you know, about 52 to 48, 51 to 49. So a, a fairly even split in the statewide vote, but would have a, a strong Republican advantage in the way that the, the districts are drawn. Um, same with the state legislature. Uh, they could basically be almost guaranteed to win majorities. Uh, in the state legislature and probably a pretty good shot at winning super majorities as well, which would be uh, a huge deal for Republicans because then that would allow them to override uh, Governor Roy Cooper's vetoes without getting any sort of Democrats on board. So with all that said, those are the maps. Now the trial starts uh, and that is going to start Monday morning. Uh, I'm going to be there in court for that. Uh, following that, and it is going to last until Thursday uh, when the judges have scheduled the closing arguments. So most of the week, um, and then next week we should get a ruling. Um, And then that is probably just going to be the very start, (laughs) because then we have the whole appeals process (laughs) to go Yeah, so this is sort of kicking things off. Um, What happened before this? How, How did we get here in the first place? Sure. So People have probably heard uh, in December the Supreme Court delayed the 2022 primary elections, and they did that specifically to allow for this trial to happen and potentially be wrapped up 
in time to draw new maps for 2022 if that's what the justices decide or the judges um and so this has been a kind of a, a big question you know in the last decade people who've been in north carolina for, for a few years will remember you know we drew maps in 2011 those were ultimately ruled unconstitutional but it wasn't in time for the 2012 or 2014 elections or in some case even 2016 a few of the 2016 elections did happen but not all of them so really it was 2018 um and then you know those maps those new maps that were drawn in 2016 2017 were also sued over but again you know it didn't happen immediately so in the end last decade nearly every election was held using maps that were later found to be unconstitutional just because the legal system drags on for so long and so what the supreme court has said this year is we don't want that happening again we feel a sense of urgency is the word that they use urgency to get this resolved and to figure out you know are these maps constitutional are they not constitutional let's just get this done in time for 2022 now they did it in a fairly controversial way uh, that is now actually the subject of a separate lawsuit uh, <laughs> that we could talk about on a different podcast sometime um, over the the lack of transparency that the judges had in making that decision. Um, we, I, I have requested the records on how the justices voted on that decision to delay the elections. They have declined to say. Uh, it's a process kind of known as the, the shadow docket among legal <laughs> legal circles. You've probably heard of the U.S. Supreme Court doing it too. It's you know technically legal, uh, but some people don't like how they can you know use this kind of side process to issue decisions without actually saying how the individual judges voted or whether or not any recused themselves. Um, so it's, it's been kind of a controversial path for how we got here, but the end result is... The elections are delayed in order for this trial and then any potential appeals to play out. Um, and, you know, it it's still going to be a tight squeeze uh, <laughs> to get it done. You know, even with the delay, it's only until May. And even if these maps are, are found to be unconstitutional, uh, it would need to be probably at least a couple of months ahead uh, of those May primaries to actually... For the, for the ruling to matter for 2022. Otherwise, it would have to take effect in 2024, and we would have to go forward with the 2022 elections under the current maps, uh, even though they've been found to be unconstitutional. That, that's, a, that's a possible outcome. Yeah. Here. So we're operating sort of on a tight timeline. What are, what are things you're going to be looking for um, with Republicans presenting their arguments this week um, in defense of the maps? What will you be watching for? What are you expecting? What we're going to be watching in the trial itself uh, is, well, really, we have a couple things. We're going to be watching what the Democrats say and what the Republicans say. On the Democratic side, it gets a little tricky because there is actually three different lawsuits that have been combined into this one trial that's happening. So we have four days to get through three lawsuits uh, and all the arguments for each one, all the arguments against each one. It's going to be really pressed for time, really fast, and it'll be tricky for everybody to keep track of, whether it's you know us, us reporters or even the judges, um, because while all of the lawsuits have the same ultimate goal of getting these maps overturned, each of them go about it in different ways with slightly different arguments, um, and so it's, it's going to be pretty complicated uh, weaving all three of those together. 
uh, this is again part of that uh, that drive to to really try to get this done as quickly as possible that the Supreme Court has 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 mandated uh, with with the sped up schedule here, and so the Democrats ultimately are going to be arguing that the maps are unconstitutional uh, based either on uh, racial or partisan reasons. Uh, they say that you know one of the lawsuits says that. Uh, the maps should use racial data, uh, which Republican lawmakers chose not to do. That's kind of been a, a long-standing hallmark of U.S. law since the Civil Rights Movement, that you have to create majority-minority districts uh, to ensure black political representation in states like North Carolina with a history of racist violence and voter suppression. Uh, Republican lawmakers this year, however, have said that they don't see any evidence of racial polarization in voting, and so they think that that no longer applies and they do not need to use racial data because there's no need to create those majority-minority districts anymore. So that is kind of the crux of one of the lawsuits. The other two lawsuits are talking about the actual lines themselves and the outcomes that they will lead to that 10 to 4 uh, Republican split in the congressional maps, the uh, potential supermajorities in the legislative maps, and so those other two lawsuits will be talking about those. Now on the Republican side, they are going to be saying, well, you know, uh, like I said, you know, they don't believe that they need to use racial data, and on the lines themselves, they're going to say, look, you know, Democrats are clustered in cities, uh, you know, we have rules in North Carolina that say, at least for the legislature, you have to keep counties whole. So the fact that, you know, yes, we are more or less split 50-50, Democrat to Republican, but all the Democrats live in a small number of cities, that inherently advantages Republicans since they're more spread out geographically. Um, so that's going to be one argument that they're going to have. They're also going to raise some, uh, some questions about, uh, specifically one of the lawsuits uh, proposes its own replacement maps. Um, and so that's going to be a another big question uh, that's kind of... Uh, Oh, side uh, issue on this trial is if the maps are ruled unconstitutional, what happens next? Does the legislature get a second chance to draw them again? Does the court hire an outside expert to come in and draw them, uh, as has happened uh, in other states in the past? Uh, or does the court take up these maps that the Democrats have proposed? And the GOP argument is, look, you know, these Democratic proposed maps are just a gerrymander, but for the other side. Um, <laughs> you know, they uh, they say that, uh, and th this is true, we, we looked at the data, um, that the proposed maps would likely lead to an 8-6 to six Democratic split. Um, now, according to some of the Democrats, one of the Democrats' own expert witnesses, that is just as unlikely as an 11 to 3 Republican split uh, <laughs> that could possibly happen in the, in the current maps. Um, so they're saying, well, you know, if you're saying our maps are a Republican gerrymander, then these maps are a Democratic gerrymander. Uh, you know, they're they're not fair maps. They're just the other side trying to trying to gerrymander. So that's going to be kind of a, a side argument there as well. Um, and so those are some of the the bigger uh, kind of threads that we're going to be watching for during during this trial and also during the appeals to come. Yeah, and we can expect you know through the appeals process for this case to eventually make it to the state Supreme Court. I wonder how you're thinking about that. What What are the politics of the state Supreme Court in North Carolina right now? That's an excellent question. Uh, and first of all, we should say that while I think everyone does probably expect the state Supreme Court to ultimately take up this case, it's possible that 
if the trial goes against the GOP lawmakers, they might choose not to appeal it. That's actually exactly what they did in 2019 uh, when they lost a redistricting case. Uh, they chose not to appeal that and just go ahead and redraw new lines for the 2020 elections. And what that meant is that by not appealing, there was no ruling against them establishing you know, some of these rules about partisan gerrymandering from the state Supreme Court. And so that has actually kind of worked out in their favor now. It's a, it's a smart legal strategy because now in court filings this year, you've seen them kind of dismiss that previous ruling for 2019 as, oh, well, that was, you know, that was only a trial court ruling. That wasn't, you know, that doesn't have the heft of appellate precedent. So, you know, if they, if they lose this trial, it's possible that they could decide again not to appeal and, you know, hope that, uh, you know, that, <laughs> that can sort of last for the decade uh, that, you know, uh, that they're, you know, they can avoid any sort of precedent. Now, is that, you know, likely to happen or if it does happen with that lead to then future lawsuits? Probably yes. So uh, <laughs> things could eventually end up at the Supreme Court really no matter what. Um, and before we get to the Supreme Court, there is the Court of Appeals. Uh, now, it's possible in North Carolina for, to kind of skip over the Court of Appeals and go straight to the Supreme Court. Uh, that's rare. Uh, but, you know, in a big, high-profile case like this, if everyone kind of agrees that, okay, we're going to the Supreme Court anyways, uh, you know, maybe they would skip straight to the Supreme Court. Um, but if they don't, first they would go to the Court of Appeals, uh, which has a Republican majority. Uh, the Supreme Court has a Democratic majority. Um, and so far, what we've seen, at least with some of the pretrial rulings in this case, like with whether or not to move the elections, is that the court's rulings have come down basically on party lines. Uh, as I said, we don't know exactly how the votes went because they won't tell us how the votes went, so we don't know for sure if it came down on a party line, but we do know that the Republican Majority Court of Appeals ruled in favor of the Republicans, and the Democratic Majority Supreme Court ruled in favor of the Democrats. Um, and so, you know, that is obviously a consideration to make here in North Carolina. We elect our judges. Uh, judges get lots of money from the political parties in the state, uh, and you know, in big political cases like this, uh, it's possible that you know politics could bleed into their reasoning a little bit. Now, I'm sure a lot of people uh, on the court would argue uh, that is not the case, uh, but as I said, so far we have seen that. Uh, the politics of each individual court has pretty much uh, <laughs> predicted which way the justices are going to rule. Uh, so we'll see, you know, uh, if that holds true as we move forward with the actual merits of the case instead of just some of the pretrial motions that we've seen so far. Um, but should it go to the Supreme Court? Uh, another question also is going to be, will any of the justices recuse themselves? Um, on the Democratic side, uh, there's Justice Anita Earls. Uh, who got her name really by suing Republican lawmakers in North Carolina over gerrymandering. Uh, she led some of the, the big lawsuits in the previous decade and kind of used uh, you know, her platform uh, from those lawsuits and those victories that she got to run for the Supreme Court here and win. And she was actually endorsed in that race by Eric Holder, uh, who now runs one of the groups that's behind one of these lawsuits. So Republicans are almost certain to, you know, want her to recuse herself. Uh, on the 
Republican side, uh, one of the justices is Phil Berger Jr., whose dad, Phil Berger Sr., is a defendant in this case. Uh, he is obviously the, the head of the state senate. Um, so Democrats are almost certain to ask him to recuse himself. Uh, you know, there, there's a couple other justices who might be asked to recuse themselves, although it's probably less of a sure thing than uh, Berger and Earls. Uh, on the Republican side, you have Tamara Berenger, who up until uh, 2018 was a Republican state senator. Uh, and on the Democratic side, you have uh, Sam Irvin, who is up for re-election in 2022 and uh, has been the target of uh, a, a lot of anger uh, recently from Republicans uh, over the fact that uh, the Supreme Court delayed the 2022 elections in which he is one of the candidates that's going to be running. Uh, I don't know if that would be grounds for him to recuse himself in a case about gerrymandering, uh, but we do know that right now the GOP is uh, very mad at him uh, for not <laughs> saying how how he voted on that ruling, or if he voted at all, or if he recused himself. Um, so we'll see there. Isn't it up to individual judges to decide whether they need to recuse themselves? Yes, although that was only really settled a couple of days ago. <laughs> um, so a very timely question, Lucille. Um, <laughs> <there's> I try. <laughs> there's a separate case that's also about... Uh, politics and elections uh, over voter ID. And in that case, again, uh, some Democrats had been asking for Berger and Berenger to recuse themselves, uh, since in that case, uh, Berenger had actually been in the Senate and when voter ID passed, voted for it. And Berger, again, his dad is Senate leader Phil Berger. Uh, and so the Democrats have said, look, you know, these people are obviously biased. Uh, they need to recuse themselves uh, from ruling in this case, um, and they have so far resisted, uh, you know, they they eventually could still recuse themselves if they want, but so far they've resisted, and so the court uh, raised the question of, okay, well, can, if, if a judge, you know, refuses to recuse themselves and one of the sides in the case, you know, makes a big deal out of it, can the rest of the court, the rest of us judges, force them to recuse themselves, basically take a vote amongst ourselves and say, yeah, our, our colleagues should not be hearing this case. And what the court decided was, no, uh, <laughs> we can't. Uh, we are all, you know, individually elected justices uh, elected by the people, and we can all make our own decisions on whether or not we think that we have a conflict of interest. And so uh, the court is not going to be forcing any justices to recuse themselves. So yes, it is ultimately up to the individual justice over whether or not they will recuse themselves in a case. Yeah, I feel like the common theme here, as with most things in North Carolina politics, is anything can happen. <laughs> yeah, um, and like I said earlier, there's a, a ton of outcomes at stake here. You know, the, the maps could be upheld and, you know, found that there's, you know, nothing in the maps to call them unconstitutional or they could be called unconstitutional, in which case there's kind of three different options. You know, the, the legislature could go back and redraw them, which would kind of be the default options. That's how it's happened in the past. Or if the court really has just zero faith in Republicans to draw fair maps, then they could either bring in an outside expert or potentially even choose these maps that the Democrats have proposed. Um, and, you know, then if 
Uh, if they do choose those Democratic maps, then who knows? Maybe we could see another redistricting lawsuit, but this time filed by the Republicans, <laughs> calling it, uh, you know, an unconstitutional partisan gerrymander, but for the other side. Um, so there is, yeah, as you said, a, a whole lot of options here, a whole lot of outcomes. Um, we'll know by Thursday how the trial went. Like I said, Thursday is the, the deadline for uh, closing arguments, and then... Uh, the judges have to have a ruling by no later than next week. Uh, so they could rule Thursday, they could rule Friday, they could rule sometime uh, as long as it's before January 11th or by January 11th. So uh, stay tuned on that. Is there anything else you think we need to know sort of in gearing up to watch this trial play out this week? One important thing to take into consideration is that, again, speaking of m multiple options and outcomes, if these maps are upheld as constitutional, there could still be another lawsuit at the federal level. Uh, but the options at the federal level are a lot more limited than they are at the state level, which is why so far we've seen all of the lawsuits at the state level. Because in 2019, actually in a case involving, you guessed it, North Carolina, uh, the U.S. Supreme Court said, look, partisan gerrymandering claims are not something for the federal courts. Those are something for the individual states to figure out themselves. We don't want to deal with that. And as I mentioned earlier about partisanship and judges, that ruling was also completely along partisan lines. All of the Republican judges on SCOTUS uh, ruled, ruled in favor of that decision, said we don't want to deal with partisan gerrymandering. All of the Democratic justices dissented and said no, we should be able to deal with partisan gerrymandering. So again, you know, it's a <laughs> another case uh, where uh, you had kind of a party line ruling on this. However, uh, racial gerrymandering is still a thing in federal courts, uh, at least for now. Uh, who knows, maybe uh, you know, if, if the maps here are upheld in state court, uh, we could eventually get uh, a racial gerrymandering lawsuit in federal court, uh, and you never know how that ruling will go. Um, so, you know, just, uh, you know, I, I think really the, the one true truism of North Carolina politics in redistricting is that there are basically just constant lawsuits. I mean, we've been in litigation over redistricting one map or another basically since the early 1980s. Uh, <laughs> every once in a while we'll take a few years off of lawsuits, but uh, it's, it's pretty much just constant. So, uh, you know, expect more. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thanks, Will. I'm looking forward to watching your coverage over the next week. Hope you also get some sleep. <laughs> thanks, Lucille. Thanks for having me on. For more from our politics team, subscribe to the News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider, and sign up for her weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com newsletters. Thanks for listening. <laughs>